Recruited Week 6. How can I make the most of my life? Part 1. Weekly Memory Verse. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10. Day 1. Call to Serve. Jesus' mission isn't just to clean up the mess sin has made, to save people from their sins, and to make sure they have a place in heaven when they die. The New Testament is clear this is only part of his role. Jesus has come to restore all creation, that is, to bring everything in creation back to the way God intended. From the third chapter in Genesis to the last chapter in Revelation, God reveals his plan to bring a Redeemer who would not only offer forgiveness of sins and salvation, but would reconcile creation back to himself. In Colossians 1, Paul does an amazing job summarizing the reign and adequacy of Christ. Verse 20 says that God will reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. And then it says it again. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And if that wasn't convincing enough, Paul's, Paul goes on to say, this includes you. Because Jesus is about restoration and not just salvation, Jesus didn't end his mission at the cross. He was resurrected into a new kind of life. Some people stop their Christian journey at the point of accepting forgiveness. They simply sit in that place and look forward to eternity. But in order to join Jesus in the resurrection life, we need to let ourselves experience the death of our old life and the resurrection of the new. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Romans 6.4 We can no longer live as we did in the past, before we believed. We must begin new lives and follow Jesus into his continuing work. How, then, are we supposed to live this new life of faith? We live as Jesus did. We need to have the heart of Jesus. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10.45 We are called to share God's love by participating in the ministry of Jesus in the world and in his church. In John 20.21, Jesus says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus says we are to continue the work he started and do what God is calling us to do. If we are prayerful and discerning, God will reveal what he has planned for us and then enables us to do it. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were made into a new creation, a masterpiece, as one translation puts it, designed to do good things, not just any good thing, but those good things God has planned for us and has sent us to do. Recognize that we don't do good things to secure our salvation. Rather, we do them because of our salvation. God redeemed us, and it's out of our love for him that we can be Christ's hands and feet to care for the world and those in it. Our redemptive purpose is to help bring people closer to the Lord and to restore creation. We are part of that process. We partner with God to bring wholeness and healing. We are invited to be God's agents of reconciliation, mercy, truth, wisdom, and hope. Daily Response
Where have you seen the redemption of Jesus in your life? Where has he made something new? Where do you feel God calling you to do good works? Write a prayer, surrendering to Jesus' leadership in your life. Express how you feel about your reconciliation to God and what it will mean for you to truly follow Jesus' leading. Day two, motive to serve. Self-centeredness and pride are the norm these days, and it was the same back when Jesus walked on the earth. But he came to turn that thinking upside down and demonstrate a countercultural way to live. He ate with the sinners, forgave the unforgivable, sought out the marginalized, and touched and healed the untouchable. He came from a position of power, yet served humbly. Nothing about what Jesus did was expected or considered normal for the day. People questioned him, expecting answers that would explain the unusual way he behaved. Instead, he told parables and spoke of a way of life that made him all the more mysterious. He said things like, But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Jesus came to turn the kingdom of darkness on its head and reconcile it back to peace and harmony with God. He gave us the model by which to accomplish this mission. First, he came from a position of humility. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, 6-8 Jesus had every reason, every right, to come from a position of pride, power, and superiority, but he made himself nothing. Other translations say Jesus emptied himself. This means that, in becoming a man, he gave up his desires, his will, and gave all of himself to those he was serving. God the Father first, and then the people around him. Through Jesus' humility, we see his heart of true service. It wasn't about him. It was about the one who sent him. The passage goes on to say that Jesus didn't want the glory. He directed that to the Father. Jesus' heart was pure, and his motive was love. Look at what happened the very night he was betrayed, as told in John. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he was wrapped around him. John 13, 1-5 The disciples didn't know what to think. Here was Jesus, who they were pretty sure by now was the Messiah and the Savior of the world, and he was bending down in the most humble way to serve them and wash their feet. The disciples questioned his actions, but Jesus answered them. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. John 13, 13-15 In these passages, Jesus shows us the why and the how of serving God. The why is humility and obedience to his loving Father. Absolute surrender to give all glory to God. The how is serving people around him in startling ways. Jesus didn't just give lip service to acts of service. He actually got his hands dirty to help those around him. As we serve, it's important to examine our motives. Are we serving with an agenda to change people to the way we think they should be? Or are we fulfilling our purpose out of love for our Heavenly Father? In his book, Love Without Agenda, Jimmy Spencer Jr. writes, We can stop focusing on an agenda for others and find the freedom to focus on a purpose for ourselves. While agenda is rooted in how we see others, purpose is rooted in how we see ourselves. While agenda requires us to conquer others, purpose requires us to conform ourselves. While agenda relegates us to coercing others, purpose releases us to appreciate others. While agenda reduces us to a sliver of life, purpose moves us toward a whole humanity, and we, as Christians, may actually start to look and live like Jesus. It is not natural for us to serve in this manner. The world we live in certainly doesn't promote this kind of humble submission. Such an attitude and behavior is as countercultural as anything Jesus taught. But when we humbly serve out of love, people eventually take notice. And more than that, Jesus smiles. Through your rooted experience, you will have the opportunity to serve people in your community. It's a powerful thing when your group goes out together to help people who need it. It may be uncomfortable, it may be outside of your pre previous experience, but this stretching will change the way you see those in need. More importantly, God will change you. This initial experience is coordinated to expose you to the importance of service, but the hope is that this will spur you on to more, more compassion for those living in poverty, more involvement in your community, and openness to where God is working around you. Be warned, it will most definitely impact you, but it may not be in your time frame or schedule. Daily Response what surprises you about Jesus' heart? Who are people you know who have hearts like Jesus? What attracts you to them? What does it look like to serve out of your purpose rather than your agenda?
Write a prayer thanking Jesus for his heart of humility and service. Ask God to give you a heart like his. Day 3. Breadth of Service God wants his whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. Lusane Covenant It is easy for us to be provincial. This means that we tend to only be concerned with what is happening in our community, state, or perhaps country. But God has never wanted his people to be provincial. In Genesis 12, 2-3, God called Abraham to become the father of his chosen people, who would later come to be known as Israel. He made him a great promise. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What an amazing promise by God. But did you notice something significant about that promise? Abraham was blessed so that in turn he would become a blessing to others. The saying, we are blessed to be a blessing, rings true. This important truth helps us understand the epic story of the Bible. Throughout God's word, we see he was interested in the people of Israel and revealed himself in the Old Testament primarily through their history. His working among them was not just for their sake, but also for the whole world. Ultimately, through the chosen people Israel, God introduced a Savior through whom the whole world could be reconciled back to him. This is the way God works. He blesses people so they in turn can become channels of his blessing to others. He began with Abraham and the nation of Israel and continues to do this through us. He has given us his salvation and allowed us to know him so we can become channels of this blessing to others. God has a mission that was revealed at the beginning of creation. This mission has gripped God's heart and compelled him to sacrifice his son. God is a global God. He has always wanted to create a great family from every nation and tribe he created. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Matthew 28.18-20 is referred to by scholars as the Great Commission. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Look at the phrase, make disciples of all nations. It is not limited to those in our immediate community, but beyond into the whole world. The truth is the same today as it was over 2,000 years ago. God still uses his followers to accomplish his vision for the world. In the Great Commission, we see Jesus giving his followers the responsibility of reaching every person in every nation and in every generation with the good news about becoming part of God's family. If you want to be like Jesus, you must have a heart for the whole world. You can't be satisfied with just your family and friends coming to Christ. There are over six billion people on earth, and Jesus wants all his lost children found. Jesus said, 
Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to truly live. The Great Commission is your commission, and doing your part is the secret to living a life of significance. Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life Our global God wants us to become global Christians and share his heart for the nations of the world. There are several ways to go global. You can give resources to those in need in other countries. You can send missionaries. You can develop international relationships through email, video chat, and other technologies. You can go global in your own neighborhood and befriend those from other cultures and countries. You can establish relationships with international students at a local university. And, of course, you can go yourself. If you have never gone, a short-term missionary experience is a great place to start. It will change your life. Daily Response What are ways you can become involved in the Great Commission? What are your thoughts about being blessed to be a blessing when it comes to sharing the good news? Write a prayer about your role in God's mission. If this isn't a desire for you, be honest with God. Ask Him to open your heart to ways of reaching others with His love. If you do have that desire, Ask him how he wants you to serve. Day 4. Power to Serve an elephant and a mouse were crossing a bridge together, walking side by side. This huge elephant just marched across, and the tiny little mouse had to scurry to keep up. As they crossed, the bridge shook and creaked and quaked. Once they reached the other side, the mouse declared triumphantly to the element, to the element. Once they reached the other side, the mouse declared triumphantly to the elephant, we sure made that bridge shake. Yeah, right. It is pretty clear the mouse did little to make that bridge shake. By himself, he may have caused a little shiver or a mild tremor, but the real mover and shaker was the elephant. That story is a good analogy of serving in our own strength versus partnering with the Holy Spirit. When we work in tandem with God's Spirit, there is power that is unleashed to accomplish the reconciliation and restorative work of Jesus. We go out together to heal a world of brokenness, selfishness, and damage. Even if we are doing things he can accomplish without us, he expects and enjoys our participation. Relying on the Holy Spirit as we serve activates and enables our spiritual muscles and spells the difference between success and failure as God defines it. An amazing feature of Jesus' ministry is that he too got his guidance and power to carry out God's mission from the Holy Spirit. Matthew 4.1 tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Luke 4.14 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. All believers receive the Holy Spirit when they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and give their lives over to him. We have the same access to the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit as Jesus did. Think about that. Isn't that incredible? 
This is explained in Romans 8.11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. It is staggering when God tells us that the spirit who had the power to raise Jesus from the dead is actually living and working inside of us. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus healed the sick, restored sight to the blind, calmed storms, fed the hungry, and even brought the dead to life. All of this was done through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we have that same power available to us. There will be times when we simply don't feel like serving. There will be moments when we feel as though we are making a difference. It is in those moments we must yield to the source of our life and strength, the Holy Spirit. When we understand the power we have received and the guidance he gives through his Spirit, we will be inspired and have the confidence to make a real difference. The power of the Holy Spirit comes to us in many ways. He gives us spiritual gifts, which we will talk about talk more about later. He also strengthens us when we are weak, giving us the fortitude to press on when we are overwhelmed. He gives us wisdom, guiding us through difficult moral decisions. He also orchestrates situations to enable people to see God's work in their lives. He gives us words to say to someone in need of encouragement or help. He is the one who intercedes for us when we pray and can't even think of words to say. Because our Father knows it is impossible for us to serve him in our own strength or shake that bridge in our own power, he has sent the Holy Spirit to give us all the power we need. The Holy Spirit is our key to serving God in any significant way. Only when we recognize and rely on his power will our lives of kingdom service be possible and fulfilled. Only then will that bridge shake powerfully and mightily. Daily Response Where in your life do you need the Holy Spirit's power? What would you like to accomplish through the power of the Holy Spirit? Sit in silence for several minutes, asking God to speak to your heart through the Holy Spirit. What did he say? Write a prayer revealing your heart's desire to see the Holy Spirit work in your life.